Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 207. My name is NBZ, and uh, I, I'm i existing, I'm still here, uh, you know, life continues, and uh, Bali also exists and is here. Hi Bali, how are you doing? Hi NBZ, I'm, I'm existing and I'm also here, you know, like, yes, trucking yeah. along, playing some games. Sometimes I just don't know what to say at the start of a show, and so I just start <laughs> going into a ramble that doesn't really make any sense, but in some senses it makes the most sense, because we all live in a state of existential dread these days, um, especially given that uh, obviously Metroid Dread has, has come and gone now, and you know, um, I have been passed over with Dread. And uh, speaking of which, we did do a uh, bonus episode on Metroid Dread, which if you want to check out... Um, that's in the feed now we uh, had a uh, friend of the show devon come on to chat with us for a good two hours or so about everything in metroid dread a uh, big spoiler cast that you can go listen to so if you have finished the game uh, go check that out that was a lot of fun and uh, yeah uh, bali i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it on this episode Definitely. but uh, yes if you want actual in-depth of every single thing in the game go check that out that's already in the feed um and on youtube and all those fun places and it's got a big spoiler banner on, on youtube because i thought you know better warn people before they click this thumbnail and think oh that looks like a fun thing to listen to uh be warned uh, you will be spoiled but um yeah we've uh, we've got a lot of things going on uh, a lot of things to talk about on today's show um and uh before we get into them however i also want to give another shout out to stuff that's going on um i have made a thing uh basically we're getting close to the game of the year stuff and also i had a week off and i was like i'm bored what should i do i was like oh we don't really have written down anywhere in like ink or digital ink if you want to say for the internet <laughs> any of our game of the year choices over the years and uh you know we're, we're people who like lists quite a bit if you haven't noticed our top 50 games of all time and all that stuff so i thought that i would put together a profile on the website gg uh, which is a it's kind of like a almost backlog slash list website for video games that just presents things really nicely um and, and i use it for mine and bally's like games that we play every year list it's, it's like when you could see your itunes library and it was called iTunes yes. at the time and it was all the album artwork of all the wonderful music you owned exactly. and you felt proud of it and it was nice and then all of a sudden music became meaningless and uh-huh. <laughs> no one owns any music anymore um streaming to it's like over, that yeah. for games like you can see all the covers nicely arranged uh, mm-hmm. of the games that you've listed which is great yeah so it's kind of like a little hall of fame basically of um all of our picks our, our picks for like games that didn't come out that year that were our games of the year our top yeah. 10 lists and my opinions our... have changed on a lot of those lists but that's how i felt at the time for sure you can see the evolution of <laughs> yes. bali happen in real time yes. by looking at his lists uh, which is good fun but yeah you um we've got our, our tnl joint lists there as well for every year so um yeah i'll leave i'll leave a link to that in the description um it, it's also pinned in our discord at the top so if you are wondering for some random reason uh what you know our third favorite game of 2017 was then you can go and check and and see if if you were right um which is is much easier than going through a podcast archive and trying to find a timestamp and listen and obviously to, to be honest with everybody this is more of a self-indulgent thing for myself more so than anything but i just thought other people might be interested in it so uh so if you are interested then you can go and track and keep a look of uh of the games that we have been uh, ranking uh, over the years um which is good fun so yep link will be in the description as i mentioned but let's get into the show bally what are we going to talk about today for the first segment, we're going to talk about a little bit of the news that happened with Animal Crossing and that direct, uh, a few things to talk about. Plus, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing in that first segment. And then for the second segment, we're going to cover lots of your listener emails. Uh, just a two-segment show today. 
Yeah, um, but yeah, lots. Obviously, we have to get through it in, in terms of our email backlog, which is great. People have sent stuff in. Uh, continue to send it in, please. That'd be fantastic. But yes, we got uh, a lot of uh, cool things to talk about. Let's begin with uh, that aforementioned Animal Crossing Direct that happened, which I totally forgot was happening, and I was doing something totally different at the time. I think I was playing a game or something, and uh, then I went on Twitter and I was like, "Oh right, that happened." So I, I quickly went back and caught up on it and had a watch through and. Um, I'll tell you what, I was pretty pleasantly surprised by this thing, uh, if I'm honest. I I didn't have huge expectations because they had teased, like, oh, Brewster's coming back. So my expectation was like, okay, that's it. There's a coffee shop now. Bye. See you later. <laughs> and uh, just no other updates. But um, turns out they're adding quite a lot to Animal Crossing New Horizons to the extent of which... I might actually go back into this game and start playing it again um, because there's I certainly have like good chunks of my island that are filled out and like I, I like the way they look and, and I'm happy with all of that stuff but there's still a lot of open space that I never really did much with as well as just like orchards upon orchards of like fruit trees that I never actually ended up using because I had millions of bell already in the bank from the turnip market so like I could just renovate that whole space and, uh, and turn it into something totally different and um, Nintendo is certainly giving us a reason to because they are adding a bunch of things uh, is there anything in particular here that stood out to you bali from from what they kind of showed in this mini direct thing um it was kind of so full-on and so much stuff that i was just it, it kind of all merged into one big thing for, for me honestly in my head but i think that stuff like you kind of go on like visit other islands and they've done the whole like thing where you can just it's essentially like turning animal crossing more or less into like the sims where you're just going to these other places it's like it doesn't matter if you've run that space on your own island you're going to go to these other islands and start decorating and arranging furniture for all these people and doing jobs for them kind of thing which i think is so yeah so we should distinguish actually because what you're talking about Uh, is happy home uh, something it's it's so happy home designer was a game on the 3ds that was basically an animal crossing spin-off that was only about decorating people's houses and not really any other animal crossing stuff this happy home paradise what it's called is going to be a paid expansion for animal crossing that will also roll into nintendo switch online if you have nintendo switch online so so that's a totally different thing in fact from the free update so there's the free update with 2.0 which adds a bunch of stuff like farming and like cooking meals and brewster is there there's Capin who's back and Capin takes you to different islands where you can find gyroids and you can find other resources that they're adding to the game there's cooking now so all the stuff that you um you know farm and and harvest can then be cooked into meals um and just extra like little quality of life things added so like if there's a table and a chair and there's a tiny little gap uh, you can now like scooch between the gap to sit down like it just adds things that make life easier but also little touches to decorations you can have like walls that are kind of in the middle of rooms like partition walls and you can have a an accent wall so you can have this the same wallpaper and one of the walls is slightly different to accent it and and also like things on the ceiling like um lamps and things that can hang down like chandeliers so there's a ton of different stuff that uh, has been added and um yeah, it, it feels like a really full-blown expansion, um, even though it's just uh, a bunch of free stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just, it was just so much stuff. And as someone who's completely checked out of Animal Crossing, I was like, I should jump back in and give this stuff a go. Like, right. even, if, even if I don't delve deep into all of it, I just want to like, experience some of these things. And there's a lot there. Like, I think it's just, it's just fun that there's so much to go back to. And I, I know that they said this is like, 
the final major update but you know if you're only going to have one more update this kind of is the way to do it right yeah i think so and uh it feels like they could have done a better job of making animal crossing a quote-unquote games as service as we understand it in the modern era and it just seems like nintendo are just not interested in doing that um they for whatever reason have decided you know we're just going to do two like big bulk updates and, uh, and that's kind of it and we're not going to do anything like almost drip feedy in a sense like you could imagine like you know every month they do okay this month we're adding new hairstyles this month we're adding this first person camera thing this month we're expanding your storage this month we're doing the new fences and and those like like slight additions um and like they're expanding the number of bridges and stuff you can have not by much i I should say from eight to ten which i think should be much bigger than that (laughs) but whatever um but you know like it, it seems they have been saving up for a big blast and they just kind of like well and here is all of it at once and to some degree that's fun because it means it's a more direct call to action for people who have fallen off animal crossing because frankly if they had done it month by month it wouldn't have been the one individual burst for me to get interested again whereas this is that and i think that's kind of what their aim is is to get people back to the game and then once they're back in the game they're like oh did you know by the way we have this paid expansion that you could pay for if Mm -hmm. you so wish Mm -hmm. to and you can unlock things like partition walls and stuff if you go over to that island that you can then use on your main island you can you know decorate your own villagers houses now so you know i think financially and business wise they kind of have uh know a reason nintendo probably have some stats to back that up as well i'm know, sure they do tracks yeah. so i think it, it will, will make sense i'm actually uh kind of interested by the gyroids because they look totally different than they used to they mm. are kind of like smaller and more bite-sized and you can put them on your little shelves and stuff and they're not like they're not big and take up a bunch of the room um which i enjoyed gyroids back in the day but i never really put them in my house because they were just a bit weird and they took up a lot of space uh so yeah. i do like this new approach to them and you can find different gyroid parts and put them together and yeah i think it's a nice approach to to that type of thing um but it just it feels like there's such a higher level of customization going on here from all the different foods that you can make to like just the little extra little like shelving units and you know accent walls like more st- more storage stuff like really nice stuff like yeah. that you know there's a lot of quality right. of life stuff in there that should have been there yeah. from the start but they've added and... frankly yes uh and to be honest they still haven't fixed the biggest problem which is no bulk crafting still mm. and they're seeming this is the last update they're never going to put that in the game so if you want to make fish bait well get ready to continue to do that forever and ever because uh they're not going to change it um which kind of sucks but um obviously the the one that you mentioned before the the happy home paradise is a separate thing which is a part of the nintendo switch online package and maybe we can kind of talk about that together because there's been a lot of discourse about the price of the expansion pass uh, expansion pack i should say for nintendo switch online which um in america it's going from 20 dollars a year up to 50 dollars a year um in the uk it's going from 17.50 up to 35 or 34.99 so for us it's basically a double in price um for people in the us it's a bit more than that and uh, i think people are just generally annoyed at the amount of stuff nintendo is giving you for this package versus how much they are charging extra on top of it um and i i feel a little different about it just because i think we're based in the uk and our pricing situation is slightly different it's not like it's a big difference price wise but doubling it like to me is like when i look at 35 quid a year i'm like yeah 
that's fine like i'm i'm okay with that given that i want to play the genesis games i do care about n64 stuff and i am someone who owns animal crossing and and i'm interested in going back to it but also there's a situation here where there are websites that sell codes for nintendo switch online which i have done and last year i did to do my upgrade and i saved another five quid on top of it and there's also the family pass which if you want to split it between a bunch of people saves even more money so for me like there are ways around this and you can access it in much cheaper avenues and and i guess from our perspective for me it just it doesn't i'm fine paying it basically yeah Um, i mean there's numerous reasons i think it works for us especially like a we co-host a nintendo podcast these are lots of nintendo games that's totally cool with us b i think we're into the habit of buying a lot of big games day one that are often 40 50 pounds and maybe we'd have a short experience with those games and maybe feel a little bit like oh that was a lot of that's a quite a short experience for 50 pounds worth whereas this is like what 35 pounds and it's like yeah but i'm gonna get a year's worth of potentially playing some games online with you on top of the fact that i think a lot of games like mario tennis and you know mario golf i don't think these ever came to like any of the virtual consoles on on the previous n64 virtual consoles so like yeah i can't th- remember they might have so i think there's like an opportunity that we can play a lot of games online and obviously neither of us have really touched many if any like genesis games and yes. i think that you know we are very you more so than me just like very interested in going back and trying to play games that we haven't really played before and we think there is a value like in us playing that and talking about them like to the listener and like to the podcast and so i think in our scenario it's not much of a big deal, but I can appreciate that, you know, when you're comparing the likes of this online service to a Game Pass, it's quite hard to compare the two in terms of totally, value yeah. because it's just so, uh, such a, a large gulf. Yeah, it is. And, um, and you know, even if I wasn't doing the show, I probably still would pay for it just because, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think, and someone mentioned this on Twitter, there is a way to which they have tailored this package and and named it as the expansion pack right and they are adding an expansion to it which is the animal crossing expansion is there is there a a universe and i think potentially yes this is why nintendo named it this not only just to you know tie in with the n64 expansion pack for the memes but but also you know what if splatoon 3 comes out and then they have an expansion pack for that game um same with breath of the wild 2 same with whatever is the next big mario game right like there is a route here that they can put out dlc as part of this package and entice people to buy into that because for nintendo it's much more valuable to have someone on the hook potentially for years and years for all these dlc packages than someone who's just going to buy only the the you know the fire emblem three houses uh, expansion pass you know yeah um, yeah and that makes sense right uh and obviously there are certain games they probably wouldn't do it with pokemon for example i think for them is too valuable to be like oh we're gonna roll this into our expansion pack you have to buy that one separately but i do think that for you know not necessarily smaller games but like uh you know animal crossing is massive already and, and they're putting that in here so i do think there is a sense of like the future of this could be very bright alongside you know they are adding some more n64 games now let's not get too fucking excited about that because to all extent and and what i predict is going to happen is you know uh they'll do that and then they won't do any more for seven more months and then they'll do like three more and then they'll do none for the rest of the switch's life cycle mm. it, it's happened before it will happen again it's inevitable this is you kind of just have to go in with it being like okay we're probably just going to get the genesis and n64 games anything on top of that frankly is just you know 
good fortune from Nintendo because usually they don't do uh, a lot more. <clears throat> Even though they should be, they should be doing it because they're, they're charging a lot more. And I totally get all that. I, I just guess from from my perspective of being in the UK versus the US and the price discrepancy and and all these other reasons, I think it's it's fine. Um, but yeah, I get I get why people are annoyed about about it. And uh, frankly, yeah, just don't just don't get it then <laughs> if you're if you're annoyed about it uh, i think is is the operative uh, thing to do uh, not that that changes nintendo's mind at all because i don't think they are very much paying attention to to those types of things uh, they just no, want to make the no. money um when it comes down to it and, so. and they overvalue all their um old games and yes is, uh we're now on the stage of n64 that they are overvaluing and that's frustrating but we'll we're getting there yeah yeah um well yeah so so that's happening and uh i'm interested in the happy home paradise thing i never really cared about happy home designer as an individual game but i think the the kind of hook of putting it into the core game um also like allowing you access to all these different items and furniture things it's almost like a trial run for like what you might want to make your room look like but also you unlock stuff that then you can use on your main island so um, i'm definitely interested in checking it out i probably will jump back in and give it a go and uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it because i think uh, animal crossing i loved and, and i really had a great time with and you know any excuse to jump back in is great so that'll be good um but yeah let's get into video games Bally, because we've been playing a bunch of stuff uh, a lot of stuff happening uh, they finally uh, put out the last super smash brothers character sora he's here he's in the game and um, we both played uh, a bunch of sora i went through the classic mode did a couple of online matches with him uh, got destroyed summarily as is usual and, uh, and then we played against each other we did some some smash and oh it's so good uh, to play smash man every time i play uh, against you it's always a great time and um, yeah. there's something about having someone else who's like evenly matched that just makes it more fun because going online like <laughs> i do have matches i beat people i have matches i lose but there's never like it never feels like that same kind of familiarity we just know each other's play styles to, yeah, to an extent yeah. that it just makes it incredibly fun and uh and yeah we played sora against each other you played a bit more than i did because i think you probably connected with sora more so um yeah how are you feeling about him bali what, what do you think about this anime boy he's fun he's he's very lightweight but his recovery moves are just insanity and that's kind of the point right yeah he, he will he will be knocked a very long way but that's okay because you can get back to the stage and a lot of his moves do feel very vanilla very like you can see aspects of like mario in a lot of the way he's weighted and things and uh, sort of the, the amount of punch he has feels quite mario like and yeah it, it he's very vanilla and i like that about him uh and then you throw in there like his weird uh fire or whatever you call it <laughs> viraga viraga and thundaga blizzard yeah, exactly believe, yeah. all that stuff works fine i quite like the way it rotates and yeah his recovery is incredible and that's about it really he's not like got this crazy reinvents the whole game like you feel a lot of the other dlc characters kind of do especially like minecraft steve and stuff oh yeah just completely turns the whole game upside down um so yeah and i like that because i want i think they want sora to appeal to a very wide audience and he's very easy to pick up and play and he definitely i've heard this someone else say as well like he does feel his jump feels a lot like mewtwo like he's very floaty in that sense um so i'd say if you like blend mewtwo and mario and then he feels a bit like that with a bit better recovery probably yeah kind of weightless almost um and like I, I just have to say the way that he jumps the the wide spread of his legs and everything it's like exactly like kingdom hearts one right like that mm. animation of him jumping is, is so 
it's so beautifully rendered and as much as like i, I think those games are bad like it, they've they've done a good job of replicating the bad job and, <laughs> and it works man like it uh it, it totally is that so that's it's really cool and yeah like you said i do there are certain like really cool touches for example his side b when you kind of do the drill move going like three times it shows the lock-on icon that locks mm, on like to the heartless lock, yeah. when you're fighting them. Um, the Kingdom Hearts one. I don't know if that's the same lock-on icon in, in 3 as well. I but there's something is. similar in an equivalent, at least. Yes, it, it's definitely like cool to have those little nods in there. I actually didn't do any of his taunts. I wonder if there's any fun things in his taunts. But mm. um, we did play... I played as Kirby uh, as well to, to try out Kirby Sora. And, uh, you know, it's just the anime hair on top of Kirby, which is good. But um, you do get the three spells and yeah that's probably the most complicated thing about him is his three spells that rotate between each other it's interesting that you can keep tapping it for the fire one and he'll keep putting fireballs out but you can't do that for the other two you kind of only get one shot at those because i thought when sakurai was explaining it in the presentation that he was saying if you keep tapping it on the spells it will keep doing the spells but it doesn't seem that's the case for the thunder and, and the ice one because i tried doing it and it didn't really yeah. uh, work is, so is it the case that and i've heard some people say oh i wish they were on three different you know inputs mm. is it the case they just wanted to do that so like a five-year-old can pick up the controller and just start bashing the special button and they just keep doing all these combos you know like it's almost like they've just like dumbed down saw in a way like the fact it rotates and i don't mind it i quite like it because it does feel like i don't have to do very much to kind of chain a, a, a minor combo together which i quite like but i'm convinced they've kind of done it on purpose to make it easier to pick up i don't think so i i actually think the opposite i think like the wow, way really? some of these smash characters are designed is that they want to stuff as much shit in as possible sakurai wants as like as many references as many like unique moves as possible and so the idea that for special moves right b b moves especially um you have a side b that is this drill move you have a down b that is this um counter an up b that is recovery so like where else are you going to put the magic stuff and so you kind of have to squeeze it all into one button which is neutral b and rotating between them is probably the easiest way to do that so i think he just didn't want to waste not necessarily waste but like didn't want to use moves that he could have uh otherwise had um by th doing three magic moves right because imagine if like b side b and down b were three magic moves then you lose out on a counter then you lose out on the ability to do this drill recovery option um i i think it's in the name of having as many different options as possible uh, therefore putting them all into one like look at how hero is designed hero has literally a menu that pops up and you choose between a list of what 40 spells because they randomly appear every now and again and um and that's like how Sakurai wants to squeeze in as much referential material as possible and and get the character to a place where they feel fully formed and, and like they have so many more options. So so I think that it's actually also a bit more strategic because you do have to, you know, switch between them to have the one that you want at that particular time. And so a lot of it is like, okay, I need to have Blizzarga, so I need to have used the other two spells before. So I need to get them in a position where I can use them, then have that lined up and ready to go for when I want to use it. So I actually think it's the opposite, that, that he wanted to squeeze so much in that, you know, they, they ran out of buttons, essentially. You know, it's the Metroid Dread problem. Just keep running out of buttons. There's too many, too many things you want to do um, with the character. But there is also a simplicity to him and, and as you said like this isn't a minecraft steve um this isn't a hero it's it's a character who fundamentally plays pretty simply um 
and uh and yeah is just has a hell of a lot of good recovery moves you know like you can do his down air or uh, and that like takes him all the way down off the stage and you can do up b and side b to get back on without too much effort and he almost like doesn't even hang on the edge he like lands easily on the platform after doing that so um yeah it, it feels like he's a cool character that a lot of people will vibe with for me personally not my speed a little too slow and floaty for me um and his animations as well like it is very much the kingdom hearts like big swing of the keyblade to like do the hits um and it's just a little too uh i wouldn't say laggy but just like a little too delayed for me to to enjoy as much um but he has uh yeah a, a lot of fun things in his arsenal uh really just reinforced as i went back to play pirate and mithra that they are my new mains and the best characters in the game uh um yeah just so much fun like playing as mithra just being fast is the greatest thing on earth it's awesome it feels fantastic and uh yeah smash brothers still very good and here we are at the very end the final character and uh, i applaud sakurai uh for uh, and the team for doing all this work um there's a really nice video that good vibes gaming put together with a bunch of people from the games industry kind of recording themselves and uh thanking sakurai and the team uh for smash brothers i think it's called thank you sakurai it's a, it's a really cool video people should check that out there's loads of fun industry folk uh who are on that uh, as as guests and just uh giving their kind of couple sentences a uh, little little lines of thanking sakurai for creating this uh, incredible uh, masterpiece of a video game um so yeah smash brothers very good continues to be um cool bally you have finished up a couple of video games uh do you want to tell us of them just a yeah. couple of pretty great games i've finished up uh the first of those being metroid dread yes. um obviously like you said we could, we've done a spoiler cast if you want my deep spoiler filled thoughts definitely go check that out but um this will be spoiler free uh, I talked on the show before about how the door has always been left open for me to have like a favorite 2D Metroid where I've, a lot of them are much of a muchness in terms of like my favorites so far. And I think this this title definitely takes that title. Like I think Dread is my favorite 2D Metroid. Like I think overall, I think it does a fantastic job of staying true to its roots. And like I know that some people coming to Metroid a find the, this game a bit too hard and some people find like the jump feeling a bit weird but ultimately like other metro games are very hard and also the jump they've basically taken from the other games and i think that while it's fair to say yes the difficulty i liked i think it is important to also say nintendo should have really stuck in easy mode in this game oh definitely yeah 100%. definitely had button remapping but hey you know nintendo are light years behind everyone else on these very very simple things um yeah but um but overall by the end of the game i thought stuff like the emmys were a welcome inclusion and they i love how they give the game this distinct identity um and a unique thing about the game so overall i i really couldn't be much happier i think there's some minor aspects i'd i'd have like i think some of the um some of like the artistic design in some of the worlds i think could feel a little more lived in and less level like perhaps but i think that's a criticism you can make about a lot of metroids yeah that's the thing right like it's ultimately still a block-based game when it comes down to it like the squares and pixels that made sense in the sprite era of metroid they still kind of have that as a core design philosophy which i love personally because that's what i love about those games is like you know shooting a random block and oh there's a missile power up and uh obviously it, it is a bit 
hypocritical of me of like, oh, I hate Zelda 1 where you just have to burn a random bush to find the dungeon. And yet here I'm like, oh yeah, let me just shoot every random thing in the room in Metroid. Um, but it's what I grew up with, right? Like I grew up with Fusion and so that's kind of just built into my psyche. And yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with just shooting random blocks uh, to, to find your way forward. But it is it's a little weird and it makes the environment feel not organic, you know? Like it, it feels less... Yeah. Uh, less like a place and more like a level, as you're kind of saying. Yeah, so. yeah. And and I say this in the spoiler cast, but I do think the 3D game, the Prime games, do a better job of making those worlds feel a bit yeah. more natural, a bit more lived in. Like, definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, you could yeah. like imagine these enemies living in this that world. You know, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel that with this as much as I think this is still a fantastic game. I think 2D Metro's yeah. got some space to evolve on that front, which I hope it can in the future. Like that'd be really interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, Metro Dread. T- ch- check out that game if you haven't heard about it. Can't recommend it. Highly <laughs> I'd enough. be surprised if you if you hadn't at this point because it seems like everyone is talking about it. I, I, I just want to say actually, it's one of my um, favorite things is like how much the industry has is paying attention to Metroid Dread. Like it. Yes, it's it's so nice to see, and a lot of people who obviously missed out on uh, Samus Returns in 2017 are like obviously own a Switch now and are talking about Dread and are hyped about it. And yeah, that's great to see. Um, yeah, yeah. From, from from a game everyone's talking about to, to another game that no one seems to be talking about that everyone should be talking about but no one is yeah you keep absolutely. you keep telling me that everyone's talking about this game and hyping it up on steam mbz which is great to hear um, yeah just a lot of the circles i listen to aren't that connected to steam unfortunately but... yeah it is it is weird it's one of those things about my job of like i have realized how important steam is as a uh like part of the industry where people buy video games and like look eastwood is doing incredibly well on on that platform and selling numbers also i should point out it was number one on the eShop for like a good while it was number one in physical uh chart as well because they, they have the two charts on the eShop. one is digital only one is if you have a physical version out there so like skyward sword and stuff would be on the physical one but it wouldn't be on the digital one and eastwood was number one on both of those on the switch eShop. so look people are buying it out there there are fans of it out there i think it's just the people that we listen to are not playing it because there's too many video games yeah. and uh, it's yeah. it's not risen to their kind of radar almost. So. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's a long game. It did take me about, I think, 24 hours to beat the game. Yeah. And, you know, I... See, I used to think, like, Stardew Valley was some of the best sprite design in the industry. And mm. this title has kind of taken that, that award by a country mile. And it's funny I say that because uh, Eric Baroni has just released, like the little trailer for haunted chocolatier which seems to be using almost exactly the same sprites and engine as stardew valley which by the way i just want to give a shout out to stardew sound design of like when you pick up items it might be the most satisfying sound in a game yeah um so good but but it's interesting that and like i'm sure haunted chocolatier mechanically will just be fantastic and you know stardew valley is still a fantastic looking game and haunted chocolatier looks good but if you're purely talking about sprite design, like Eastwood has like taken the idea of sprite design to another level that I think I'd love to see more of the industry like try and be inspired by, try and replicate, try and do something with because you know seems I like think... it's uh, very expensive and very hard to do given how long this game took to make and probably and this game was in development for quite a long time and yeah. it's clear that there are some really talented artists in that oh, incredible pill so like I it's also thought... like the way that they use lighting on the pixel art to create like tone and mood and atmosphere right yeah like it's it... not just the art on its own totally. it's like the way that they blend it with modern lighting techniques that's yeah. just like the incredibly... lighting is yeah really top 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 tier stuff um 
And without going into any story spoilers, and we are going to do a, a mini spoiler cast on this game because I think there's a number of beats that we definitely want to pick up on and be totally. able to talk about more openly. Um, I just want to say I think this game delivers on a lot of its story beats in a very earthbound way. Yes. And I would encourage everyone to give this game a gun. I don't want to say anything more than that. Um, and yeah, like we were saying, it kind of... I would love more of my podcasting circles to be talking about this game. Um, but yeah, we, we I look forward to like having a proper discussion about some of the the more spoilery things in this game but i i if you like if you like earthbound if you like story driven character driven world driven like kind of yeah tales um i would highly recommend giving this a go and yeah mechanically it is doing some fairly basic zeldery dungeon style things and that's maybe an area that the game it's obviously not a focus of the game, but um, some of those hitboxes and things can get a little frustrating and things, but that's yes, really not... Yeah. I was interested in how you felt about that in the later kind of dungeon section with the enemies. Yeah. There's definitely, like, there's one big brutish enemy, if you know what I'm talking about, near the end, who, like, screams at you and stuff like Ooh, that, yeah. which uh, yeah. those were, yeah. were dangerous and scary yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a minor gripe and definitely not where a lot of the energy clearly was put in in the same way as like the sprite design for example but yeah people need to play eastward and i'm sure we will talk about this game a lot more both in our spoiler cast but also at the end of the year because this is a a top 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 game Um, really special really really special game um also like i can't stop listening to that soundtrack and humming the soundtrack it's It's a a very good soundtrack so good good. you've been playing another fantastic game mbz and i want to get to this game i have been but it just is the year of killer indies man i tell you what i have just been playing smash hit after smash hit and um interestingly enough this game uh i started out and i wasn't as into it i think because i was having a bit of trouble with control so i'll be honest the art style i do find a little bit jarring initially a little bit so the game we're talking about is unsighted uh it is a 2d top-down uh action game that is very inspired by i would say to some degree hyperlight drifter to some degree zelda to some degree um i don't know like games with like complex like majora's mask yeah. in a weird way sounds like it leans um, a lot more zelda and puzzles than a game like a yes. death door you know like absolutely absolutely and that's kind of my favorite thing about it so it, it was a bit of a weird one to start with I, I actually initially heard about this game through easy allies they did a video on it when they had a bit of a preview and uh, i was like oh this looks fantastic and then humble announced that they were going to put it on game pass and i was like perfect amazing um obviously it's also out on switch it's one of those games that runs well uh you know it's a pixel art game and and definitely i would probably have got through it a lot quicker if i had been playing it handheld because it's kind of the way i am but yeah play it through game pass and and still uh what from what i hear it's it's excellent on switch and and definitely is a nintendo ass nintendo game in terms of design so so the the world is interesting because it is a world of uh automatons almost androids you would say um and it's set you know in the future where humans have died basically they're all extinct and it's just these automatons existing in society um almost a bit like near automata if you played that game um and you play this character alma who has this sort of amnesia going on and so you 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 remember more as the story progresses you get cutscenes that link back to what happened previously in like the war between these like robots and and people and, and stuff like that and and yeah there's this kind of resource called anima which powers the androids and like keeps them alive essentially and that slowly just disappears over time so every character in the game has a 
has a number of hours next to their name, which is basically how long it will be until they are destroyed, or they go unsighted, basically. So what happens is if you run out of anima, you, as an android, become what is called unsighted, and a lot of the enemies you fight in the game are these robots, and um, and they have just basically gone crazy and are attacking you, essentially. So they lose their, their sense of self and identity, and they just start becoming evil machines that start attacking everybody. So yeah, you, you fight a lot of robots who have lost all their anima, but a lot of the NPCs you talk to are characters who could go that way and if you do play this the game with that feature turned on then npcs could just go crazy and you have to kill them and then they're just out of the game like vendors who sell you stuff could just disappear as a result of that and the time ticks down when you move between screens it ticks down if you die um so for me you've been playing with it turned on a little bit is that right so so okay so they originally when the game came out they had an option which was okay slow down the timer basically which gives you more ability to to go through the game without having to worry how many times you die and without having to worry about like dealing with um those npcs going missing or turning into unsighted and and i was like that's fine that's totally cool but then they did a patch because even people after that were like well why don't you have an option to just turn it off completely and then i realized when i went into the menu after that patch that they had changed it so that it's a very simple on off toggle now so either it's on or it's off and there's no in between anymore okay so so yeah basically you can choose whether to have this feature on whether to have it off i decided to have it off and i don't know if that was the right move honestly um because there is interesting stuff that i don't think i really experienced as a result of having it turned off like you get this uh, resource called meteor dust and you can give it to characters to extend their time by 24 hours so if you have somebody who's running out and you're like oh this is the cog lady i want to buy some cogs from her for later so that i can you know do well in dungeons i don't want her to disappear so i'm going to give her meteor dust and that will extend her lifespan also gives them an extra heart basically so it's like a stardew valley heart system where every character has four hearts everyone starts at one and the more meteor dust you give to them they they can max out basically um and you have this little kind of fairy bot robot who follows you around your navi of this game essentially and i maxed out their heart meter and that was cool because then they would attack with me like their final thing was they were able to once they're maxed out um, they can't turn and become unsighted at all that's like i think they still can oh Um, Um, but it's just you're just keeping on adding time so 24 hours is the maximum that you can give them with each meteor dust essentially um and and yes because i didn't do that i didn't really see anything bad happen to the villagers or the npcs i was talking to which which may Mm. have lost something but then if i'm really honest I, i don't think there's a lot interesting going on with that system it's more so you know for the help that you get from the weapons upgrader or whatever if if he goes away then oh well then you can't get that anymore and that's frustrating for the game but ultimately narratively i don't think it makes a huge impact um that mm. it doesn't seem like these characters are tied to a bunch of side quests if you know what i mean that you could miss out on if you didn't do it so so like i didn't really max anyone out aside from the little fairy bot with me and, and you know i did get a bonus for doing that the fairy bot started attacking uh, alongside me and doing like chip damage um but i wonder if i could have got extra bonuses like discounts at a shop for giving meteor dust to somebody or something along those lines i wonder if, if that stuff is in there but yeah again i didn't i didn't drill into it enough to really find out but at the core of the game i don't think that's what makes it interesting to me because fundamentally this is a game that has an incredibly satisfying combat system uh, alongside 
the best Zelda dungeon design that has not been done by Nintendo I have ever seen in a game. Wow. Um, and Categorically? categorically man i've played look i played okami and i was very disappointed by that game i think the dungeon the quote-unquote dungeon design in that game is not good are you gonna roll in 3d as well here not we're not just talking yeah 3D. just generally like honestly if i was to compare this to a zelda game i would say minish cap because that game understands 3d zelda design in a 2d space in the same way that yeah. this game does that's very um, cool it's fucking fantastic so the thing i will say is that the beginning the reason i kind of bounced off it initially was i found it hard to get my head around the controls because one button is used for run they use the shoulder button for attacking which i that's very common in 3d games these days but in 2d games crosscode does that as well it's like the shoulder button thing yeah yeah and 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 i it just took me a long time i i honestly the first 45 minutes of playing i was in the menu like 50 percent of the time just changing the buttons and it didn't help because every time i changed the button i have to relearn maybe, it and i was maybe like nintendo have it right to stop us just yeah. fiddling around the menus for five hours just force you to learn the way <laughs> yeah, the game exactly. tells you yeah to some degree i i do understand that but um but it was i i just kind of got frustrated with it and then like i got to the first village i went outside i died immediately and i was like ah i'll come back to this later and it wasn't until that kind of tweet went around of um one of the developers these are this is also a brazilian team shout out to brazil this year dodgeball academia yeah. and this game fucking Great killing shout. it um and they were talking about how you know no one was you know, reviewing this game and it's got all these great reviews from these places and people are loving it but it wasn't wasn't getting attention essentially and i was like you know what like i've heard so many amazing things about it i should go back to it and 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 dive in and just get over myself and just stick to a button layout and just learn it and just get good at the game and um as soon as i did that i felt i had been an idiot because i was like holy shit this game has so much going for it um first of all there is a parry system and this is kind of core to the combat where enemies will have like red attack so they will glow red and when they do that it means you can parry them and by parrying them you then get the next attack on them to be a critical hit so parrying them kind of puts them into a stun state and then if you attack them after that it does like a big bunch of damage sometimes it's a one hit kill sometimes it's two hit kill but it puts them into a place that you can kill them so much faster than if you're just spamming the attack button the other interesting aspect is that there's a stamina bar and so when you're running around with the run button you actually slowly deplete stamina but also when you swing your weapon you deplete stamina it's kind of like souls where in those games by just taking a swing i think maybe jedi fallen order did this as well i can't remember with a stamina bar um if you can only take so many swings before you run out and you have to recover essentially so it's like a resource of okay i can't just go mashing in there a lot it's a lot better to kind of wait and especially when there's a big bunch of enemies it's just like mm. parry parry another one then go in for the kill then jump dodge out the way it's like a good simulation of a proper duel you know like it's waiting yeah for it. like, totally like um so so you have a it's it's a dodge roll but also a jump because there is sort of platforming in this game where you can do wall jumps you can also like just run and jump as well and and so there is I, i'd say probably some of the weakest elements for some people um is that element of the platforming uh where it's hard to tell because it's an isometric perspective um like sometimes making jumps can be a bit tricky but i would say that's kind of a minor inconvenience there's not a a huge amount of it throughout the game and when it does happen it's it's pretty clear uh what you need to do in order to get to the next place but um but yeah you 
you obviously go through this overworld and there are it's it's you know here are the five thingamy dudes that you need to get in order to get to the final area you know it's a typical like collect all the crystals or, or whatever it is five, and five dungeons then you know just yeah five dungeons you get the five crystals and you use those to forge like a super mega blade and that blade can kill like the the big they're these big evil enemies that like are these black creatures with giant eyes and like enormous claws and anytime you enter an area with them your fairy bot will be oh you're too weak to fight these go back a different direction so you're always scared of them the whole game and then obviously at the end you get this giant massive sword that you're able to kill them with but um but yeah that's kind of the idea and so it's also super interesting in the way the these dungeons are interconnected so there is an underground space where a lot of the dungeons are and there's also an overground area there's a, an area called the highway which is one of the dungeon areas and there's kind of the the mid spot so there's like kind of three levels to the space and you have elevators that go up and down between them but there are moments of like i was in the third dungeon and i was like oh i have this ability now i can break through this wall and the wall breaks through just into the second dungeon and you can just walk from one into the other and it's like the spaces are so interconnected that you can traverse between them it it really gives the world a a feel of uh, continuity that these aren't separate spaces it's just it's one place but you can go from one place to the other and like the environment changes and everything and it's it's just a really cool um concept to have these dungeons that are actually interlinked in a way and they don't really do a a good job of of saying okay maybe you need to go back to a previous dungeon to to unlock another area but like i don't know if i would have wanted that even um because one of the joy i think of zelda dungeons is like the focus of them of of having puzzles that are designed for that space that you then get an item that makes them Mm. a bit more trivial and then you traverse the space in a different way so are you going back to previous dungeons or it's just you aren't really really. you're just you can unlock um different like secret parts of them for example like okay so there are these um you can get dogs in the game as well that you you name the dogs and you can pet them and you can feed them and the dog just runs along with you and it's an extra thing that will attack for you so your dog will do a bit of attacks on the enemies and not do much damage essentially chip damage like the fairy bot was doing for me because i maxed out her gauge but um you can have you can find four different dogs in the game and usually those are found in secret areas within dungeons that you wouldn't have been able to get to the first time through you'd have to find a link from another one to get to it essentially um so so there's the secret stuff like that you can get and like different blueprints um yeah this game has a bit of crafting to it where you can find blueprints for uh, cogs cogs are kind of like temporary buffs so like an attack cog will have 20 uses so when you activate it the next 20 hits you do on an enemy will be double damage or whatever and a defense cog will have three uses which means the next three times you get hit you won't take any damage and mm-hmm. um and so you you can activate those and you can craft those you can also upgrade your weapons uh you can choose between a sword or an axe i went with the sword for the most part for the game because the axe is quite slow and it takes up more stamina but i could see you people playing through with that weapon because it's more powerful right it does more damage so um there's a lot of options in terms of combat stuff but at the core of it why this game is so fucking good is that it really understands what makes zelda dungeons fun which is a space that is navigable and explorable to find keys by doing puzzles by you know using items that you get in a dungeon to traverse spaces and Uh, you know having enemy rooms i think the thing that kind of gives a bit of a leg up on stuff like zelda is because the combat is so satisfying and intricate and the parry system just adds this level of 
complexity not too much but like enough to make it more interesting um that when you get into combat rooms it feels so much more like a puzzle because you're trying to manage the enemies and figure out okay which one should i take out first i need to dodge out the way of this guy i need to leave him for the end because he's more powerful and and alongside that you then have your regular like there's block pushing stuff in there but like in a way that is more interesting more reminiscent of stuff like twilight princesses snow peak mansion and and those types of things like complicated and and uh you know wait things that you have seen before so for example i'm going to spoil one of the items it's it's pretty early on but it's a spinner it's like the spinner from twilight princess and i've always thought that that's one of my favorite dungeons in the series arbiter's grounds super cool because they do a little uh, you know these areas with spinning um puzzles that you have like to figure pinball. out where to go right. and and pinball around and it's awesome it sucks though because later in the game you never really use it again um this game takes that item and like does so much more with it it becomes a traversal tool where you can use it in the overworld and you just go way faster to get places um there are rails all over the place where you can go back to previous areas and use the rails to access previous stuff but there are also puzzles within that dungeon space with the rails that are so much fun to execute on and like the animation and the the artwork is really really nice and the sound design on on the spinner is, is so so cool that they take this item from zelda's past and they give it a newly of life to make it a far more interesting and useful and kind of um i don't know it's it, it just it feels great to solve puzzles with it and to break like it has a function where there are these big rocks all over the world and this is the only item that can break them so it becomes a bit of a lock and key thing as well and uh and yeah it continues to do that like there are different weapons you get that help with traversal but also in combat right you can if you wanted to you could lean into the spinner as a combat item so that it does more damage to enemies and you can just be using that when you're fighting people um it it just has such a great multi-purpose design to all the items it gives you throughout the game and um yeah i had a blast the fifth dungeon is so cool like it uses this new mechanic that they add in that is only there for that space but it is it, it's it kind of makes me understand a little bit better like mark brown's perspective on zelda dungeons which is like the navigation of them and understanding where to go would he but, approve of these dungeons i think so but like they feel far easier to um to get around and to remember like where you were and where you need to go than a lot of 2d zelda mm. games that i, I think played. i think minish cap actually does that as well where i think yes. a lot of those dungeons are fairly non-linear but they still feel easier to navigate than the earlier zeldas totally yeah and and to some extent there is a little bit of a linearity because there are certain paths that you just can't go down at the beginning and so you're almost funneled towards or they'll, they'll kind of loop back onto a central area yes. or something like, I, I generally like that design a lot yeah there's a lot of looping back to central areas there's a lot of like okay i I have one key but there are two doors to unlock which one do i unlock right like that is is in there and um and it's just executed in a sublime way to the point where you know i i I didn't really think about what i was doing necessarily like that that sounds bad but it, it 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 felt like the dungeon was leading me by the nose by the invisible hand of the designer right like it was it was so fluid and just going with your gut and going with what the designer is wanting you to feel exactly exactly and it just felt so so good um i i honestly am blown away by the dungeon design here i think it is incredibly good and 
it, it's just like that is the core of what makes it special but also like all this other stuff alongside it like having the narrative with with this world that is weird and, like I, I was invested in it and there are like data logs as well which i usually am not a big fan of but was interested because it made sense for you know this ruined space where humans were gone and, and things were just kind of left around it it um is such a cool cool game and uh, i highly recommend people check it out you know if you are if you're jonesing for a new 2d zelda experience um with a little bit more depth in the combat this is a hundred percent something people should be checking out and uh, i i loved it I, th- I think it is so so good and not super long either i think my i think the in-game clock is probably a bit wrong it does the metroid dread thing of if you're in menus and stuff it doesn't count time played um it said like six hours 57 so about seven so i would probably peg myself around nine hours total mm-hmm. in the game so for a for a game like this that's a great length i think and um yeah i really recommend it from what you've said it does like you've talked all about the combat and the dungeon design and yes. you've really not focused on this sort of unsighted thing that they're doing with the time ticking down and yeah you're kind of making me lean towards just turning it off but maybe yeah. you're right I'm, i'd miss big story beats or you've not really mentioned the story a ton so maybe it's not a big deal but yeah i did look up there is a kind of secret ending if you go and do a bunch of extra stuff that i just didn't end up doing obviously because yeah. we, we tend not to do that and no. um it didn't really change that much like i think it, it's neat but um i i would probably recommend like if you don't want the stress of it and you just kind of want to play it at your own pace because well, i'm still going to get the benefit of like these dungeons and combat which is ultimately the best totally game yeah from what yeah you're yeah, saying, yeah. So, and, and i yeah. think part of the the scary thing is like if you're not very good then you every time you die the the clock goes forward right and and i don't actually know what that means if you run out of time like if alma your main character runs out of time does that mean you just the game ends and you have to restart because that sounds bad and i'm not i don't know if that's the case but um yeah i for me i just didn't want the stress of it so i just turned it off and um and ultimately that wasn't really what i was there for like i'm sure there is some cool stuff going on with it but i i don't think it's an interesting choice on their part it is yeah i think it is and i think there is a way it maybe could have been done better to to make me more invested in it but um at the end of the day this is just a fucking fantastic zelda game and i i think people should really check it out on that basis alone um so yeah unsighted uh on switch on game to get to it check it it out check it out i'm definitely going to be bringing up uh in the future so Cool. That is going to close us out, however, for the first segment of the show. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back after the break with some of your emails that you've sent in. And uh, yeah, I'll be chatting through those. So see you guys in a bit.
Welcome back everyone to the second part of today's show. It is time for some emails. Uh, we put out the call a little while ago and people responded and we are still working our way through all those emails and we've got three wonderful emails and messages on our Discord lined up for you today. But if you would like to send an email into the show, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. And like I said, you can also post a comment in our Discord server. We've got a channel just for emails. So join the community, get involved. We'd love to hear your questions, your thoughts, your comments, and we'll read them out on the show. Our first email is from Justin, who's in Pennsylvania in the USA, says, Hello, fellas. Three questions. So let's just do these one at a time, MBZ. Number one, who is the worst video game character of all time? My vote goes to Hao from uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. The rival from Sword and Shield isn't much better either. Uh, I think this probably won't come as a shock to people, but Isun from Okami <laughs> fucking sucks shit and can just die. Uh, I think Hao is a good choice from Sun and Moon because I think a lot of people... I think there's this thing generally, right, with the Pokemon games. This may be bleeding into Animal Crossing as well of like, you know, back in the day you know the, your your rival from gold and silver was a piece of shit and like he acted like a piece of shit he never tried to be nice to you in any way and was always just a, a complete and utter asshole um, you, you, you called you called him fuck i did uh, yeah i was naughty back in my day <laughs> that, I, uh, that's that's a bold move from like a 10 year old right this, there. this was before um you know nintendo had filters word filters going on in their <laughs> yeah. games to stop naughty words i'm very but, um, surprised they didn't have one yeah but this was obviously the age in which we played gold and silver we we're trying to learn swear words at the time and i was like oh, i'm gonna call him the swear word and that's what i did uh so that was very funny to me as, as a, a young child um but yeah i think there's there's kind of a discourse of people being like oh these characters used to be like actually not like the player character and then nintendo's kind of philosophy on how you should treat um players i guess has changed because all the new Pokemon games and, and the new Animal Crossing, for example, everyone loves you and treats you like the second coming of Christ. Even someone who's supposed to be your quote-unquote rival are people who are just fucking wet blankets and just are not interesting in any way at all. Um, same with, sword, yeah, as, as uh, this was mentioned in the question, but sword, the Sword and Shield rival also terrible, yeah. boring, um, and just not interesting. I think, see, Gary back in the day with the anime, he was a right dick, like, you yeah. know, and I think the games were, I guess, trying to emulate that a bit, right? Well, I mean, the games came before the anime, but sure, yes, the, vice versa. <laughs> That's also true, but in the West, they were, like, the same time. But Yeah, I think, like, some of it bled through if you're thinking about, like, what happened with Pokemon Yellow, like, taking Team Rocket into the games from the anime. Yeah. Like, some of that spice definitely bled over, um, and I think that bleed over continued into the, the second generation, but, like, I would say it was kind of from X and Y onwards, maybe, that things started to get a little weird of... I guess Wally was a weird one in, in Ruby and Sapphire, and though didn't you have multiple ones in Ruby and Sapphire as well? There was Wally, but there was another person. I want to say maybe I'm wrong on that, but um, there there were definitely like in X and Y you had kind of a friend group of four people, and like none of them were really a rival or didn't like you. They're all just kind of like we're gonna conquer the world of Pokemon with the power of friendship, yay! Like that's kind of their attitude. Don't um, underestimate and- friendship. It's a powerful sure. force in the world of Pokemon, it's, right? It's definitely important in anime and lots of other things. Yes, of course. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, t- talking of that, I mean, if you want another terrible character, um, the Nopon from Xenoblade 2, I think, uh, begins <laughs> with a T. I can't remember what his fucking name is, um, but he's he's also really bad. He's just, like, gross. Uh, in a similar way to Isun, like, kind of misogynist uh, and, and really not uh, an, a, a good character archetype, but kind of plays it off as comedy, almost. Um, and yeah, that's bad, also. So, yeah, kind of kind of a theme going in terms of the characters that I think are just the worst characters. Um, but I'm sure there are a lot of, like, other terrible ones um those those ones just kind of resonate with me as being particularly uh terrible um bali any that you have in particular i'd go with both fee and navi from the zelda series i think both of them are annoying in different ways and i think navi's one of those ones that just like like hey listen that just kept happening and i think a lot of people had that frustration with ocarina of time and i don't think the 3ds remake i played felt any better in on that front um i'd also say princess peach like (laughs) she's just not like where princesses need to be at this point in time and i think i think that nintendo really like shot themselves in the foot when she had her own spin-off ds game uh where her powers were completely related to her feelings and this sort of thing and i just think peach can it's not it's not peach's fault it's it's her writer's fault uh but i think she's just not a great character now maybe there's those nintendo fans i'm just like hating on me right now but i don't know what do you think about peach i mean i mean yeah a lot of nintendo's characters don't really have any character to them is is probably the uh, mo there but yeah i mean you know she's she's a paper thin like uh, stereotype is is kind of the way and i I don't know i think the end of mario odyssey is the most interesting peach has been right where she's like uh screw you guys i'm going on holiday uh leave me alone and then you just find her in all the different kingdoms dressed up as like that was very fun that was a different outfit yeah it proved that nintendo maybe aren't completely modern in their views on these things but they've like taken an inch in the right direction yeah slight, like um slight movement i i think he's going in a better direction now but um i'm a bit sick of kirby you know kirby's just an annoying pink blob and it's like come on we need we need more from him we need and, and he's going in the right direction in his defense and i think his game next year looks really cool so that'll, that'll be fun and i've listed every single kingdom hearts character who's not from disney oh yeah, yeah. no any yeah any square enix invented like organization 13 guy with <laughs> yes. the big hair um I, I don't i mean i don't know any of them i'm sure they're lovely people i'm sure you get they to know just them, merged into one immersive amorph- amorphous um mm-hmm. anime person in my head yes and, yeah and maybe they are who knows maybe that is the twist is that they the are twist. all a singular person um, when you have such a complex story with so many characters and they are all like clones of each other it's very mm. confusing i i i struggle with all that what are your thoughts on yen sid uh i only realized yet. recently that that his name is disney backwards um well he's a legit disney character that's not his first appearance <laughs> oh sure oh, right okay he's he's yen sid is the wizard from the sorcerer's apprentice that's oh the shit hat. that's oh, the wow, hat okay. that mickey steals from the sorcerer he is the original sorcerer 
Damn, dude. I, th- I thought he played a p- pretty big role in the Kingdom Hearts series. So I just assumed he was a... He, he also does. Yeah, he is in 3 yeah. as well and yeah. plays a role, um, okay. which is fun. So yeah, don't 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 put Yen Sid in with all the Square <laughs> Enix bollocks because he's not... He is a Disney character. Through you know through, what? Right? Like, I don't know. Something about that maybe tells me why this ended up happening is like there maybe is, is a, a bit of weirdness uh, that you could cross over from Disney into Kingdom Hearts. But uh, anyway, That's probably that true. kind of That's became probably. his whole thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There are some. I'm sure there are some really terrible video game characters it depends like what you mean by worst video game yeah, character right yeah. do you mean like personality yeah. do you mean like the game is bad and it's not fun to play as the character because like I think duke nukem would games. be up there for a lot of people as like a very 90s um kind of in your face protagonist who by the time duke nukem forever came out in what like 2007 or 9 or something like that um, when that game finally released after like a hell two decade development cycle everyone was like oh actually maybe we should have just left duke nukem in the 90s because this guy kind of sucks real bad um so yeah i think that's definitely different reaching go down but um yeah for me uh isun from akami is is number one just uh terrible terrible character who i hate deeply Justin's second question is Do you think that the wireless N64 controller announced during the September, Di- September Direct will have built in Rumble? It makes sense that the NES and SNES controllers did not, sin- did not, since that feature never existed to begin with. Modern Rumble technology can hopefully be built into the new design of the N64 controller. Uh, though Rumble isn't required, it is impactful in certain games. The Stone of Agony item in ocarina of time relies on the rumble feature and it would just be strange to play some of those n64 classics without the rumble feedback and then justin also had a third question about uh the switch online service more generally uh that we kind of covered in the first segment yeah about the price and stuff which i think we've um we've addressed uh, a little bit so yeah um yeah we haven't really talked about the uh the wireless genesis and n64 controllers um just because they're things i don't think either of us are interested in picking up personally um i think it's cool that nintendo are making them uh it's, it's less cool that they cost like 50 quid or whatever to buy them and you also have to be a nintendo online subscriber in order to do it but hey people will buy them because people uh love uh using classic controllers it's one of those things where we bought the snes classic right and Mm -hmm. i think that cost us what 60 quid 50 quid 70 something like that 70 it felt like a decent deal because you're getting two snes controllers on top of like all these games and the save states and a little cute little box that plugs into an hdmi like it felt like a good package i think when you detach the the hardware from the software in the way that you know this the switch online stuff does it to a degree like it doesn't feel like a good proposition from my perspective at least and that like i felt very Mm -hmm. happy with the package that was the snes classic and the idea so it's just like paying through the nose for some modern n64 controller just doesn't interest me in the slightest it's a play on nostalgia uh, and other companies have done it right xbox released the original duke controller again for people to buy and um you know i wouldn't put it past sony doing like a with the black and white buttons yeah totally and, and i wouldn't put it past sony to do like an anniversary ps1 uh you know dual sense at some point things like that right like well either they skin it to be the color of the thing or they remake the old controller and put it out there like nostalgia is a hell of a drug and uh, people uh, are addicted to it and people will continue to pay money in order to relive uh, their golden days as, as best they can and, and that's exactly uh, what this is right um, i think a lot of people were annoyed that the genesis was the three button as opposed to the six button controller because the six button is what a lot of people prefer when it comes to genesis stuff so that's a bit of a shame uh, i wonder i think japan might be getting the six button so if you wanted to do that then you'd probably have to go through a bunch of loopholes in order to to get it but um but yeah i i think probably will it have rumble probably i imagine it i always found it interesting that the wave bird back in the day on gamecube didn't have rumble and it's one of those things that you don't know that you're missing until 
it's gone and then you're like wait i feel like i should be having rumble at this point but there isn't any and 64 had some hella rumble as well like it really yeah rocked my wrists like it i was mean part of it is big. because you had to have a pack to like have plug into pack. the yeah. controller so like that probably factored into how impactful it was because it was an additional piece that was plugged in that was kind of shaking it from the outside almost right like yeah, because it's attached you're right it's it's, it's yeah it's shaking the entire controller from the outside meaning it has to go hard right the vibrations came from a different place it wasn't like internally within the no. controller itself so i think you know even if you were to have rumble in this n64 controller it would feel quite different from what it did back in the day just because of that component right unless nintendo are going to be insane and i wouldn't honestly put it past them to be like and also announcing the add-on for the n64 controller the rumble pack that you can buy if you're a switch online member or if you could use your old rumble packs and game boy cartridge in the the new one that would be fun yeah yeah that would be but like i don't know i've still got all those i've got one rumble pack and one uh, game boy transfer pack so totally yeah and um and and that stuff is cool but yeah i think uh, this day and age it probably makes more sense to just have rumble built in all all modern wireless controllers have rumble so i don't think that's a similar problem that you had back with the wavebird days but um i do notice it actually because my uh my my series x controller that i use on my pc uh, i'm just using regular batteries for at the moment i will go and get the battery pack at some point but um i do notice that when the battery gets low the controller just turns rumble off it just basically gets rid of it just to prolong the the life of the battery for as long as possible um and i was playing i think shadow of the tomb raider and it has like cool trigger stuff where like when you're using the axes to go into walls to climb up them it kind of feels like that stuff is happening like a lighter level than the dual sense stuff and you do miss it when you start playing you're like oh wait where was that thing that i was kind of missing so yeah i I think rumble is one of those underrated things that has probably become more apparent to people with dual sense uh being a big deal as well as hd rumble which um i actually want to give a shout out to some hd rumble recently uh eastwood has some really cool hd rumble on like the train tracks uh when you're like on the train and stuff Mm. like that um and there's another i think dread also does some pretty cool stuff with hd rumble so i don't want to forget nintendo's contribution to the space because um as much as it's not as impactful as what sony has done i still think hd rumble is cool and i do like it so um yeah i i, I do think that they will i mean i say that but then i'm like okay well nintendo probably is going to cheap on some of the parts in terms of this thing and they're not going to make it like the most uh you know fully fledged thing but that said like a switch pro controller costs what 10 quid more than this does so you would think that if they're putting all the technology into that That's they'd probably <laughs> do it for this well you know that's the price of nostalgia man you know that's what <laughs> yeah. people will pay for so uh i think yeah. probably it will be the case um probably. yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. Um, looking forward I'm, to a bit of that feedback when you, you know hitting that ball of mario tennis it's a big you game. know what i'm really interested in i want to see people playing just normal switch games with the n64 controller <laughs> right just like play smash brothers with that and see if you can go back to those days because obviously the original smash brothers was on n64 and uh, and probably had a different setup but it feels like gamecube has become like the default controller mm. of smash brothers since then um so yeah. i'm surprised they've not done this controller yet with either the wii or the wii u you know like released some sort of wireless n64 controller Mm -hmm. before like it's kind of shocking that it's not until this stage that they've gone for it yeah i mean bringing up the wii um when i was playing xenoblade back in the day on the wii uh using the uh classic controller pro uh that very much was a piece of plastic like one of the lightest pieces of plastic ever and certainly did not have any rumble built into it because you kind of plugged it into the wii mode i had the classic i had the regular classic controller yes. didn't have the the arms you know on no it. handles to yeah, hang on to handles. yeah and after a long t- it kind of felt like a bit of a like a super nintendo controller i guess in your hand to a degree yeah. but it's not 
it just kind of didn't I, I like having something to grip onto basically is what i mean it, it wasn't yeah. the most comfortable especially with analog sticks i initially um actually bought a knockoff classic controller from amazon and um yeah that was really bad it was like when you press the left on the d-pad oh, it would go down you, and stuff like that well we, because i'm an idiot but bally you know this is this is what don't I've fall always... into the third party trap with these controls unless they have some very good reviews like you know since then i have not done that anymore um i did it a lot when i was younger mainly because it was cheaper I'm parents didn't want to spend money on memory like, cards yes yeah, super expensive stuff and like i did have a gamecube controller that was also a third party thing and um you know i've looked at like the damon x machina um uh, switch joy cons and stuff like that and there are third party joy cons that you can buy but like after all my experience with third party stuff I, I tend to just stick with the main uh you know first party peripherals at this point in time because it's just too much of a hassle and they work and they do the job and it's just like ah don't want to deal with it but um mm, mm. yes anyway uh, i hope that n64 and genesis controllers are good and people like them but yeah probably not something i'm going to be touching anytime soon yeah yeah our next question is from tim who's from wisconsin and says hello i'm and bally my question for you this time is this what are some games that you love despite either the story or the gameplay being subpar in other words what are some games you love for their gameplay but have a forgettable story or games with a great story but forgettable gameplay some of my own examples for good gameplay but meh stories uh, the first the first games that come to mind are star fox assault advanced wars one and two uh, and fire emblem fates i find the opposite more difficult to think of uh, the only games that come to mind are games like the walking dead and to the moon uh, where the game is mainly about story and the gameplay is barely there or just QTEs. Yuck. I look forward to hearing your picks and as always, thanks for the show. Tim from Wisconsin. Thanks, Tim. Um, been uh, thinking about like story and and gameplay in terms of uh, their nature with like games that I connect with. Um, and like I, I feel like similar to Tim in terms of the games that are just focus purely on story are kind of the ones where i'm gravitating towards the most because that's like you know i don't actually really care what the the game is i'm really there to to experience a narrative um and and you know that's similar with like the to the moon games and the walking dead and and a lot of the telltale stuff uh life is strange those types of things tell me why yeah. right like that it's, it's it's far less it's, it, that's just not the point of them and i don't really care about what but, it's, but i agree that when walking dead does try to be a bit more actually with the qtes and stuff maybe not the qtes necessarily but there are other parts where you are doing like weird action things it's arguably like some of the weakest parts of the game and you just wish that it would and that it like kind of ditched those entirely and just went more Mm -hmm. for the story right yeah i think so and i think that those games have done that over the years and have kind of gotten rid of those elements because they feel extraneous like the first walking dead game had a bunch of point and click style puzzles which weren't overly complicated but they kind of shed those as they went along with the series as it evolved from being a point and click game that had more narrative focus to being a narrative focused game that completely got rid of the point and click stuff essentially Mm. and um Mm. and yeah i i gravitate towards that stuff uh, a lot more strongly uh, i think so um but yeah in terms of more traditional games i guess are there any where you were just there for the the gameplay or just there for the story more so than the other i mean when we're thinking about gameplay as the focus you could arguably like put every single nintendo game into this oh 100 percent, especially because so many of them are so story weak and um it's actually kind of funny recently uh greg and blessing were having a discussion i don't know if you remember this discussion they were saying like 
they were trying to list games and they were interacting with the chat at the time sort of saying are there any games that are 10 when it comes to mechanics and story mm. and it's actually a really hard question to think about and blessing kept sort of saying like breath of the wild but it's like there's no way breath of the wild is like you know a 10 out of 10 story and yeah i mean it depends what you're talking about with story right because like this is all very subjective totally and story can be defined as anything because like the directed cutscenes and and the the actual plot parts of breath of the wild i would say are pretty sketch when it comes to the voice acting and like (laughs) well exactly what you get from it but like the the law-based like world storytelling of breath of the wild i think is actually very good right like the just looking around a space and seeing oh this is broken down and there's like notes and stuff like that i think that stuff is quite good yeah and like overt storytelling versus like uh less obvious for sure yeah um i'd actually go with something like celeste that actually does manage to convey a very intriguing story that is mm-hmm. i would argue a 10 out of 10 that's obviously subjective but then is at the same time so incredibly mechanically strong and just and also melds them both right it's, and it's the matching them. and yeah. being able to like the the whole i guess pitch of celeste is is climbing the mountain mentally and you're also doing that physically right yeah. like that's that's the um the way that it works and like the the state of madeline throughout that game is reflected through the spaces you go through as well as the people you meet and how how that kind of journey with yourself um is reflected within the story but also like you as a player going through these harder and harder challenges to reach the peak and get past it and and being able to surpass what you maybe didn't think you were able to i think celeste a great example of that honestly of Mm. a game that just absolutely nails it when it comes to those elements it excels at both of those things individually and as you say the way that it merges the two on top of that which is arguably yeah. like a third pillar between these two points arguably like yes it's, yeah it's it's weird um I, I would give horizon as a good game where i know you weren't a big fan of the story but i absolutely loved the story and totally appreciate that that game mechanically has quite a few weaknesses where i think that they want they guerrilla studios like ideally wanted the mechanics to be stronger than how they were conveyed to me at least like but i was so hooked by that world and especially the storytelling yeah um i I think there are a lot of big games um these days that don't do it for me on a mechanical level but i'm there to kind of enjoy the conversation around their narrative stuff and like what goes on i mean red dead redemption 2 is a game that i just pushed myself through despite actually despising playing the game um because i thought that the the narrative and the character stuff was just excellently done um Mm -hmm. but like man i don't ever want to fucking play that game again you know it just it did not do that it it, it, probably the best example of a game where i actively disliked playing it but continued to uh (laughs) because i wanted to see what was going to happen which is uh definitely a weird one doesn't happen super often but that is is a major one for me yeah yeah um i'm trying to think of other ones uh i've got a whole list if you want me to go through yeah go for, um, go for some of the your i list. um i think the yakuza games are interesting in that like some of them i just don't really want to care about fighting and i just flip it to easy and i'm just like just mash me through these fights whatever i want to see the weird side quests i want to interact with all the goofy characters and i want to see this drama play out and uh, that stuff is great fun alongside like the mini game stuff is is really good so there are elements of like kiwami 2 and the entire fucking side story where you're running a hostess club is just fan fucking tastic like love that mini game one of the best mini games in video games i'm gonna say probably probably my favorite mini game in video games 
I did spend like a good 12 hours just playing that. Um, so it's, it's pretty much up there. But when it comes to actually beating people up in the street, I was just like yeah this is fun to, to an extent but like i would rather just get through this quickly so that i can get onto the other stuff um and that changes like the judgment games i like the combat a lot more i play those games on normal because i actually enjoy the kind of like movement of yagami as a character and his abilities and stuff like that um but yeah i guess like generally for yakuza i'm there for the vibe and the world and the space uh far more than you know the actual gameplay mechanics if you want right, to talk about right. combat uh, stuff like that same with wolfenstein wolfenstein reboot that came out um which has competent first person shooting and like for a lot of people i think was super difficult because they played it on normal or hard and uh from the beginning i was like give me baby ass fucking baby mode the thing about wolfenstein is that it literally <laughs> when you pick a difficulty level it shows bj blaskowitz and like it has all these ridiculous names for the difficulty levels and when you pick the easiest mode it's basically called baby mode and it shows a picture of bj with a uh, a baby's like um dummy in his mouth and like a bonnet on his head um so the game is almost like making fun of you for for choosing easy but i was like i don't fucking care i don't give a shit man i'm here to see the ridiculous ride that this is and uh yeah wolfenstein 2 especially uh one of those games where i just couldn't put it down because i needed to get to the next story beat and see what wild shit would happen next um uh, and shoot some people uh in a very easy way to get there basically so those are two big ones on the i wanted to get to the story front and didn't really care about the game aspect of it right right no totally and and then often like a game like a to the moon like a night in the woods yeah you know that it's hard to even define those games as having formal mechanics as it were like you're essentially like moving from point to point talking to people and i think that's where like you were saying at the start of this question like that's where a lot of these story-driven games are at their best where they're not trying to do the walking dead qts or something they're not trying to insert some sort of action system into a game through because they feel they have to they are just like right we're getting across some messages and we want to do this in the the leanest most efficient way we want to do in our world and we're not going to include like any mini games or we don't need to do that we can just Mm. tell a story and i think that's a good example of the way that the the medium has evolved i think in the last decade or so is that we are having a lot more games that don't have formal or traditional mechanics as such and are just much more bold to tell a story yeah and i think it just needs to be a discussion of like what a mechanic is or like what is what is quote-unquote gameplay right because in some senses me me going around camarocho and finding the next area is in a sense like gameplay because i am figuring out the space in my head and i'm learning where to go and like that's the same with night in the woods of like there are choices of like do i want to talk to this person or this person or you know do i want to go and do this side quest before i continue with the main story like there is still player agency even if the actual quote-unquote mechanics like if we're talking about stuff like combat which is so often what the conversation around mechanics comes down to is like oh the combat or like the way in which you interact with the game like a rhythm game that you have to play this or stuff like that is is what we define under mechanics and gameplay whereas i think you know it's there is a difference between watching a playthrough of night in the woods and playing it yourself because of the way that you insert your own right um kind of movement and like and that is the mechanic right, right desire to go places and that is the game being played in a way right mm. like it's it's just, it's just like trying to frame it in a different uh sense that we usually do which is difficult and games are evolving that way and uh kind of we're figuring them out a bit more but um 
yeah there's definitely a bunch uh, of, of games like that you know um and and danganronpa is a good example for me where like the mini games to get through the court trial sections i didn't love all the time but obviously wanted to get through that because the story was so good um and near automata also a game that i didn't really like the combat of playing it or or stuff like that but the actual kind of themes resonated really strongly um and yeah on the opposite side i would say stuff like i don't know octopath traveler pokemon um games where i enjoy the kind of mechanical battle systems and and that type of stuff and going through a world and and seeing stuff but didn't think the story was worthwhile or even interesting um and this happens a lot i think with character action games as well stuff like astral chain and bayonetta devil may cry like they're very rich in terms of their systems and like you know spectacle but the actual writing and uh storylines are very over the top and absurd and very cheesy and corny in a way that isn't like interesting or engaging on a deep level it's not like i cannot wait to see what's no twist is or you know yeah exactly it's more like oh this is kind of a fun source on top of the uh the weird action that i'm doing right Um, so yeah i probably think the best example of like a game with a serious story um that i didn't care a huge amount about about uh but kind of wanted to was metal gear solid 5 where i think a lot of metal gear fans were disappointed with 5 because of the fact that it was kind of unfinished and like didn't really wrap things up well and the story is not on the same level as the other metal gear games which like the kind of the reason to play the metal gear series up till the point of five was the narrative stuff because that's the the weird crazy characters and bosses mm. and all that stuff is super interesting and then they just load in and they load more mechanics right like and, and then five is just like the purest most incredible stealth sandbox ever made like the options you have and like the movement and the feel of it is just like incredible um and that's like the opposite to like how metal gear games were before where like yeah there's kind of janky stealth stuff which isn't super great and like those early games especially probably quite hard to go back to from a gameplay perspective but like completely flipped the script um and mgs5 like oh my goodness among like the best um open worlds that i have enjoyed messing around with not from a sense of exploration but a sense of like options and ability to just play with a physics sandbox in a, a wild fucking way um that just creates player stories in a in an awesome sense so yeah that's probably my my big gameplay one versus story yeah thanks for your question tim that's a that's a good one really enjoyed that um our next question is from jiff and this is on discord says been listening since the beginning and i don't think i've written in emails before so here's a question is there a console or year of games that you haven't whole hold jumped into yet but would like to check out sometime in the future i collect a lot of physical games and have been really into the early 3d era with the sega saturn lately i've also been diving into some of the ds deep catalog because looking back i realized i mostly just played pokemon and zelda on it when there were tons of cool weird games on there I know with all the new stuff coming out, it can be hard to find time to hit up the past, but I've found there's as much fun to find behind as behind us as there is in front of us. So are there any blind spots in your gaming experience you'd like to fill out more? Thanks, as always. Sega! Um, that's kind of my answer, I think, generally. Uh, it's probably my biggest blind spot that I would like to fill, uh, which is kind of why I'm, I'm excited about the Genesis stuff on uh, Switch Online, because 
there are a bunch of classic games um from the sega collection that i've just not really dived into in the past and like obviously there's been ways to access them through Wii virtual console and wii u in the past and there are collections that sega put out themselves and and maybe it's a case of like uh, people don't really talk about it as much because there isn't as much interesting to go back to and maybe you kind of had to be there at the time to really uh, get interested in all that stuff but um but genesis is definitely a catalog i'm curious about and will be diving into when that switch online stuff happens i would say more widely like i want to get even deeper into the super nintendo than i already am like i think we've played a lot of the kind of core tent poles there but the super nintendo is a library rich with so much stuff especially like rpgs um that's the the thing that i'm kind of want to go after and, and i think super nintendo and playstation one are kind of like the golden era when it comes to jrpg stuff and and there's certainly things like suikoden that i need to get to um there's a bunch of just like very deep cut playstation rpgs uh you know wild arms i believe is a, is a series that a lot of people really enjoyed um, that I would like to play someday and yeah loads of loads of stuff on that front so in terms of like a genre deep dive I'd probably go for Super Nintendo and PlayStation on on RPG things but um, yeah I I'm also curious about the PSP PSP has been one that I kind of mm. skipped out on and I have a Vita so there's access to PSP games through that but there's definitely like a lot it's probably my biggest blind spot of like modern games um of like what came out on that what were the weird spin-offs from sony games that came out there and and what were the like unique things um that i missed and, and want to go back to so so yeah those those are probably kind of the major ones for me um in terms of stuff that i want to dig into but there's loads you know like i would love to own a dreamcast at some point in time or at least have access to play dreamcast games mm. um and um yeah even going i don't know i think one of the interesting ones for me is i have little to no interest in the playstation 2 um mainly because i grew up around it and i think thinking about like the games from that era that have held up the best like gamecube by far to me holds up far better than what i imagine a lot of ps2 games are like these days uh, i'm sure there's a lot of good stuff there but um and, and people kind can, of can you like even think of like 10 top tier ps2 games that you feel like you haven't played that you should or need to yeah. play you know that like i can I, I could you know way more about games than me obviously but like i couldn't think of maybe like three honestly like, I, I just think of like what are the core things that sony first party was doing back then which is like the da- jack and daxter stuff the ratchet right, and clank yeah. stuff um sly cooper it's all on ps now annoyingly which isn't yeah uh, god um, of war started on ps2 um you know there were there are a lot of things that i'd like to play those games as well yeah i guess from a first party perspective from sony it was just not as strong as it is nowadays in terms of their stable um so a lot of it is third party stuff and you know weird shit that came out that you know i would have played at friends houses um and and didn't really resonate with me strongly i mean you know the gta games are getting remastered right all those classic gta games that's kind of what i think a lot of people think about when they think about the playstation 2 era Mm. is um the gta games and certainly i did play a bunch of those back in the day so i might be interested in checking them out again just to reminisce a little bit but um yeah i don't know there's definitely i'm i'm definitely wrong about this there's definitely like a a deep uh, wide well of interesting playstation 2 stuff just because it was the best-selling console and obviously it had a ton of games made for it but i guess in terms of my personal taste and stuff that i care about it feels like an era of b games more so than anything of like generic action games and generic shooters and stuff like that that didn't really 
it's not the type of stuff that I think is worth going back to in the mm. modern era, you know? I think it's worth playing Super Nintendo games. I think it's worth playing some Genesis games to an extent, right? Like, there are certain generations that I think just hold up better. And for me, the stuff that came out on PS2 when I look back at it, compared to what Nintendo was doing on GameCube, there's just, like, a higher level of polish and, like, there's there's a way in which GameCube games just feel, like, so much more playable today than PS2 games. But again, that's me talking from a Nintendo fan's perspective, um, which it could be totally different if I actually went out and tried them and gave them a go. But, um, you know, there's interesting stuff on there. There's there's a couple of good Final Fantasies, you know, Final Fantasy X and X-2 alongside Final Fantasy XII, um, both of which have had remasters and which I probably will play on a remastered sense uh, in, in a while. But yeah, I don't know. It's um, I'll probably have to do a bit more research when it comes to that. Uh, Bally, do you right. have any particular hardware deep dives that you want to go on do i have any blind spots well where don't i have blind spots to be honest <laughs> but like, so obviously i didn't i've owned uh only nintendo consoles right up until 2018 and and as you said basically the the show as we kind of had it between 2013 and 2018 for on on my side of games that i was playing I was playing lots of obviously new Nintendo releases, but like you were saying, MBZ, we we went back and we played quite a lot of old Super Nintendo games uh, through like the Wii U Virtual Console especially, and then obviously the the uh, Super Nintendo uh, Classic that came out. And and that's been like my main kind of blind spot that I've delved back and, and played games from. And then obviously everything changed in 2018 where I, I went cross-platform, bought a PS4, uh, obviously bought Xbox, PS5, Series X since then. And I've been, my main blind spots I've been trying to cover since 2018 are kind of like earlier entries in current hot series. And what I mean by that is like going back and playing all the Uncharted. So I've played all those now. Going back and like playing... I don't know. I would like to try a game like God of War. I kind of came in on 2018. Um, Shadow of the Colossus is a good example of the yeah. PS2 classic that you played um, recently. Right, totally. I really wanted to play like Shadow of the Colossus and then likewise its follow-up, uh, The Last Guardian, um, on PS4. So like, I'm, I'm glad I played those games. And I definitely wanted to kind of cover the Sony first-party bases. And you're right, they have a lot much kind of stronger group of games first party at least now than they did arguably kind of the ps2 ps3 era uh but you know that's still a big blind spot for me it is like a lot of those other ps2 ps3 games um i've been like going back and trying to cover like xbox era games now that they're all basically all on game pass um everything and also like microsoft's backwards compatibility stuff means that you can do that and get 360 stuff as well it's original xbox stuff yeah easily it's really cool and obviously stuff like halo has been remastered and i've actually gone back and played every single halo game in the build-up to infinite which is like try telling 2015 bally that you'd be like what <laughs> yeah, like, you'd be like who are you yeah, get so out I'm, my house. I'm gonna like hopefully play halo 5 next month ahead of infinite in december and so i'm enjoying stuff like that but i want to go back and play like fable anniversary edition or you know give that a go and just trying to get on top of like some of these other big first party games that are from like sony and microsoft because i think there's a lot of good stuff that i just said being completely starved of and then don't even talk to me about like all the sega stuff that you just mentioned because i'm completely out of the loop on all that stuff and i'm looking forward to like all these um you know mega drive games on the um the the expand this expansion pass coming the expansion uh, pack yeah in november so looking forward to play some of those games with you but yeah i'm just 
I, I think I've covered a lot of the big ones when it comes to Nintendo generally. Um, yeah, I, I think if we're talking about like deep dive, then I, I, I feel like I want to go on GBA town and like just download a mm. bunch of ROMs for the GBA. And that's kind of looking into like old emulation stuff with, with that stuff at the moment. And should I get a handheld that is like dedicated to that? Because Nintendo doesn't seem interested in fucking putting GBA games on Switch right now. And, and it's like, ah, oh, man, I, like what about that Astro Boy game that's super rare that people always talk about? I want to check that out and like uh, i played gunstar superheroes earlier this year and like there, there's like the golden sun games to go back to for me like I, that's a console i really love um and would like to expand my library for i guess when it comes to nintendo stuff that's what i'm all about is stuff like gamecube games and ds games and gba games those are the library and we as well like libraries that i just want to keep expanding into into like the deep dark corners of right like mm. I think I'm okay having like a surface level knowledge of Sega Genesis stuff, for example. But if I want to go super deep on something, like find some weird RPGs on DS, that's where I'm going to go of like, I don't know, what else uh, is out there? There's so much weird stuff. Like DS has a ridiculously rich library of um, insane games that um, I I definitely want to plumb the depths of at some point in time. So yeah, when it comes to Nintendo deep dives, uh, you know, sky's the limit, or I guess the ground's the limit, or whatever the hell you want to call it whatever analogy you want um in terms of stuff that i want to just have a look at and just know about so and and we do still have like plenty of nintendo blind spots that we do try and cover in stuff like backlog clubs and i think that's always like a really good thing we've tried to do with the show where there are just games that we missed for whatever reason uh even modern ones that we're just like yeah we should do that for a backlog club you know and like have a proper in-depth discussion about it yeah absolutely um so yeah are there any blind spots in our uh our gaming uh, lives yes too many uh too many and there continue to be bigger. too many yeah um, yeah yeah a lot of what we've talked about is often like uh you know first party or like fairly big games but then you know there are so many indie games coming out now that like in 10 years time we will go back and be like god we missed so many great indie games you know like that it's just so hard to try and keep on top of everything that you just one person cannot play everything that's the problem uh as much as i try to make that happen you know i definitely um i play a lot of stuff and i I try to trick myself to thinking i can play every game that's why i buy so many fucking video games um but you know truly deep down in my heart it's like my youtube watch later playlist i know i'm never gonna finish it you know i know know it's never gonna end so uh i'll try regardless i'll keep trying so uh yeah cool um uh, that's all the emails uh right ballet we uh, went yes. through a few there and we got some more and we'll definitely uh hit up some more of those but um in the meantime where can people write in Bali to our email address please send your emails to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com and post comments in our discord server check out that channel it says emails absolutely go there have fun it's good um cool well we're gonna get on out of here out of the show uh thanks everybody for listening it's been a great time i hope you like it i don't know why i'm doing this accent now but i'm here and i'm gonna stay here for a little while uh, so let's uh let's uh, shout out some people uh for supporting us because you can support the show if you didn't know on a little website called patreon if you go to patreon.com slash this nintendo life uh you can uh toss us uh, a couple bucks and uh get some cool things as a result uh, and we have a new patron this week Bally. yes thank you to our new patron tyler oh thank you very much for your your patron patronage uh, but thank yeah. you also to all of our ten dollar tier patrons i want to thank zach s atari alex thomas matthew and my wife caroline thank you all for your ten dollar tier support but thank you to all of our other patrons that usually appreciated the support yeah you give the show absolutely uh shout out to tyler actually because uh he 
Yeah, I used to do stuff with Nintendo World Report, and that's kind of where I followed him from, and kind of, uh, you know, he's been back and forth with me a bit on Twitter, and uh, yeah, he's listened to the show and, and is now supporting, so shout out awesome. to him. Thanks thanks so much, Tyler. Um, also, well, we've got, uh, obviously, a bunch of stuff uh, coming out still uh, that is not the main show, including our Patreon episodes, but also we're doing spoiler casts all over the place. Uh, we have a Metroid Dread spoiler cast that we mentioned at the top of the show in the uh, feed right now. We will also have an Eastwood spoiler cast coming out, uh, so if you're interested in that um definitely give that a listen but it seems like not enough people are doing spoiler cards about eastwood on the internet so we'll no, be the first one i guess i, I cannot find one anywhere <laughs> yeah like, maybe i can look harder but yeah youtube is completely barren of spoiler cast so yeah we, might, we might even be the first yeah well we got to hit that algorithm son you got know it. get those people in there so uh yeah check those out when uh, they are available uh they are uh, hopefully very good um yeah you can also obviously uh find us all over the place uh, where we do fun things online um you can find me on twitter i'm at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 fan davidozi uh you can of course find the uh podcast twitter at tnl podcast um, and you can go there for updates to all our stuff as well as links to our discord our youtube channel um and various other uh, accoutrements uh, associated with uh, this nintendo life so yeah go and check that stuff out obviously you can find us all over the place on the internet uh you can download us uh, find us on spotify find us on um stitcher and uh, all the pod catching apps that you have if you have pocket cast if you've got instacast whatever app that you so desire to use uh, apple Podcasts, we're there we're available download us subscribe means you always get those shows and stuff like the dread spoiler cast will just be in your feed and you'll be like oh that's fun i finished that game i'll listen to that uh, which i advise you to do because it was a good conversation um yeah i think that is pretty much it in terms of plugs and things and stuff um bali have you got any any plans going on uh anytime soon any gaming plans any weekends blocked out for anything uh, in particular yeah I've, i'm really looking forward to moon glow bay which is coming Ooh, nice. in like a few days so that's obviously a, a fishing kind of sim style game that's got a lot of stardew valley vibes that i'm very much looking forward to and yeah want to want to play that nice yeah i um i am trying to and i was telling you about this yesterday i hit my 49th successful win on hades it was also my 99th run in hades so if if i do my next run successfully i will have done 50 wins in hades and 100 runs total which would be a perfect like 50 50 relationship so i'm I'm kind of sitting on that right now i don't know if i'll jump straight in and do it straight away because the pressure is high for me to convert this well now you gotta tell everyone next episode what 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 was the result maybe i won't pick it up before next episode who knows bally it might just be sitting there for a long time it's sat on 48 for a long time and i just jumped in yesterday and did another run and uh managed to be successful but uh who knows how it's it really go, good so. your your skills haven't atrophied like to go no. in there and actually get a win is is very impressive yeah for sure i mean hades is like my fucking uh second name at this point that's how much <laughs> i've played it so so uh yeah I, I still love that game dearly it's fucking incredible so um Go play with Hades if you haven't. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do us for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with some more video game chat, some more discussion, some more Nintendo stuff. Uh, until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye, folks.
The musical interlude used on today's show was Saka no Machi from Eastward. Copyright Pixpill and Chucklefish 2021.